Welcome back to the New England Take on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kearsed. Listen to the show every Friday at 6 p.m. right here on the station, as well as the 6 a.m. hour on WKXL in the morning, which I also host here on the station. Ordinarily, I get the New Hampshire Bulletin crew for the WKXL in the morning show on Fridays in the 6 a.m. hour, but um, reporter Ethan DeWitt from NewHampshireBulletin.com is joining me today to talk about his article he wrote up on the uh, oral arguments that have begun in the uh, basically people fighting against the banned concepts or devi- uh, divisive concepts legislation. Um, it's, all, it's more formally known as the right to freedom from discrimination in public workplaces and education. And uh, many people are concerned about it uh, on both sides. And uh, it, it, this must have been quite the feat to cover <laughs> the, the opening to this, Ethan. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, just this is the first time that we saw the this law that's been debated about for a year kind of um, put in a courtroom and set against legal standards before a judge. That's what I thought was interesting. So some of the ways that you think of this law and you've been people have been interpreting it politically. Now it's in a court. And uh, essentially what is happening here, there were two separate lawsuits that were filed at the end of 2021 um, uh, by each of the, the two major teachers unions in the state, the American Federation of Teachers in New Hampshire and the National Education Association and the NEA partnered with the ACLU, uh, which is filing. There's also some LGBTQ group um, legal groups that have uh, joined in and essentially they filed it in the U.S. District Court and the District Court merged them into one. And so now there are two sets of attorneys who are um, who are representing plaintiffs in this case and oral arguments, as you noted, were held last week in the U.S. District Court in Concord. So the lawsuit the, uh, the, at the core of it is the idea that the that the new law which uh we can go over what that does again uh, in a second but that the new law is so vague that it is unconstitutional and they're, they're kind of trying to use a um a an argument and a, an approach that does have uh precedent but then it's just the question of how you apply that precedent and whether that can be applied here there can be statutes that can be so vague that they're unconstitutional and the plaintiffs are arguing that this one it makes it very difficult for teachers to uh, follow because it's not uh, it doesn't kind of um, lay out clear guidelines and that when it becomes vague, that becomes problematic because there might be self-censorship. They're also making a First Amendment claim as well. And we'll talk about that, too. But so, yeah, it's um, and what's interesting about this and we can get into this, too. Uh, they're making what, what's called a facial challenge to the law. So they're going after the whole law, um, you know, basically as it appears, you know, like as it stands, not as it's applied. So that's a, there's two kind of ways you can you can challenge the law. You, you can do it facially or you can do it as applied. Um, they're not making an as applied challenge. One reason is they don't it's it's too early on to actually see any clear effects of this law yet. There haven't been any successful uh any successful actions taken against teachers there is one that's pending so yeah it's a very interesting case i i thought it was fascinating to kind of see again a u.s district judge 
grappling with the law that everybody yeah. in the state house has been grappling with for a while. Yeah, it's fascinating that it went right to the feds. It makes total sense. And we're right to the federal district court with regards to this because it does cover the entire state. But I mean, it, it, Ethan's a reporter. So he's not he's not going to say politically whether he, he's for it or against it. I, I, I'm a radio host, so I get to say what I want, what my personal opinions are on it. Um, but he, Ethan definitely does a good job of reporting on both sides of what's going on in this situation. But I personally, overall, and I'm support of the legislation the concept of the legislation but there's been very very obviously a legal situation with regards to um whether it can be applied in any consistent way um and the enforcement of it which is comes under civil penalties is also problematic i've had professor john uh, graby from unh franklin pierce on uh, this show and then uh, another program that i host uh, and his biggest issue is it's it's very similar to what texas did with their abortion laws where instead of having the state it, law enforcement actually take care of what's whatever may or may, may be going against the law in this situation they rely on civil litigations to deal with it which means that you're relying on complaints from parents or advocacy groups specifically going after individual teachers that are maybe school districts depending on the um, what's brought up in the specific case but it makes it really hard to for people to not just be afraid that they're gonna get sued and so the Department of Education basically keeps harping on look at our FAQ look at our FAQ that's literally all they've given there there's no alternative programming or examples for programming at least that i've seen that show like this is how you can follow it which is i'd imagine a big part of the case the aclu is bringing up for this yeah i think that's an interesting point i think one of the things as a reporter that is uh difficult about this law is that there's a lot of avenues that um as you were kind of hinting at that parents um can use if they are uh if they if they have something an issue they're taking and it's not just parents it's you know this can be um you know raised by others as well but there's uh you know different departments so there's department of justice department of education the department of labor then you've got the state's commission for human rights and then also as an as an avenue um the law allows for challenges essentially lawsuits to be filed at this in the superior court system of the state. So you could have any challenges winding their way through any number of bodies. Um, and depending on how those, those bodies uh, address those challenges, and again, we're really early on, um, that could affect kind of what consequences the teachers or the schools face, whether there are consequences, um, you know, what kind of appeal process there might be. And so it's very difficult to follow what is actually happening so far. Um, the one thing that has been clear is there just doesn't seem to be a, a huge flood of these cases uh, at least that we know about. There is, again, like I said uh, earlier, there's one that's going through. But one of the things that the plaintiffs are trying to do, so this hearing last week was over the state's motion to dismiss the the plaintiff's lawsuit, essentially. So the judge here is going to be making a decision on just that question, whether the, the lawsuit should be dismissed before it really began, um, whether there's enough here uh, to move forward. And if the judge says, no, we're not dismissing, then that would lead to discovery. And discovery is um, could be 
critical to the plaintiffs in this case, because just as I said, there's a lot that we just don't know of, of how these, these investigations are, are being handled and kind of what the sort of due process of uh, th that's being pulled together is and kind of what the uh, wh how the how this law works in practice. And so it's unclear what they're going to get in discovery if they get that far. Um, but the uh, the hope for plaintiffs is that they might get a little bit more information that could flesh out what's how this is enforced and, the, and you know, build their arguments around that. Yeah, it's been shockingly slow to have any real cases of substance really come up from this. I mean, it seems like that's what the Republicans were hoping for is that we'd have some lawsuits that would be able to divvy up the law because there wasn't any real examples. Like I've spoken to Megan Tuttle from the New Hampshire NEA um, a few months back about this, and it's – be because it's not very specifically outlined where if you talk about this in this way you're going to be you're going to be hitting some legal troubles that i mean they don't even know where to start like there's so there's this chilling effect which kind of breeds into the first amendment aspect of this yeah um and so the again just to go back to this uh hearing um the one of the big questions and i would argue kind of the what this case hinges on the most is what i said at the beginning which is the question of unconstitutional vagueness whether that's here or not um and so there is precedent and there is supreme court precedent um that statutes again like i said can be so vague that they're unconstitutional this uh particularly applies to criminal statutes uh and uh you know if a state ha passes a criminal law but it's too vague to apply that can have some real consequences um it, but it, it can also apply to uh you know this isn't quite a criminal statute um it does have an enforcement mechanism to it but the question is whether the whether this is actually vague and um the judge uh in in this uh, in the oral arguments kind of gave a little bit to both sides on this. Um, he, he warned the plaintiffs that, you know, because they don't have any, or they're not working with so many concrete examples right now that he's not going to take kindly to a lot of hypotheticals that seem far reaching. Um, when, and so basically the, the, the difficulty for plaintiffs are going to be to present here are real things that can happen under this law without going too far into hypotheticals that the judge feels that it is, uh, you know, you know, not founded, I guess. But he's also warning the state that the, you know, this is the, you know, statutes can be unconstitutionally vague. And he's pointing to recent um, case law in the U.S. Supreme Court that suggests that even if you can read a statute in one way, um, and have that be clear. That doesn't necessarily mean it's not unconstitutionally vague because it, it matters in the context in which it's going to be used, uh, if that makes sense. So, uh, you know, if that was one thing that um, the Department of Justice has said a lot, you know, we put out these FAQs, you can read the statute yourself. You can make those decisions yourself. Um, but the judge here is saying that's not the end of the story. You know, it, it, uh, it, if it's still vague for a teacher to understand, then that's still a problem. Um, and so it's th there's a lot kind of there's wiggle room for both sides there. Um, there is one clause in the there's, so there's four banned concepts. And I guess we should go over those. Yeah, um, good. So, yeah, one of them is let me just um, bring them up here. You can't teach, it bars New Hampshire educators and state employees from teaching that a person in one protected class, whether it's uh, age, gender, race, um, et cetera, is inherently superior to another, uh, inherently racist or inherently oppressive, even uh, unconsciously. So those are the first two. So 
you can't you can't teach that they're inherently superior. You can't teach that someone's inherently oppressive, and you can't teach that an individual should be treated differently for one of their characteristics. So those those are fairly straightforward. Although teachers would argue that in the in a nuanced classroom discussion that gets really difficult. But then there's a fourth one, um, and I'm just going to read it. It says uh, it it it's says that people of one, so teachers are prohibited from teaching that people of one age, sex, gender identity, sexual orientation, race, creed, color, marital status, familial status, mental or physical disability, religion, or national origin cannot and should not attempt to treat others without regard to all of those characteristics. So they cannot, so they can't teach that people cannot and should not attempt to treat others without regard to their age. There's, that's a triple negative it's really hard to, as a reporter, it's really hard to summarize that, uh, you know, when I'm writing about the law. And I thought it was really interesting that it came up. There was a, a back and forth between the judge and the lawyer for the Department of Justice, where the judge was basically asking, can you explain the, this last one? Just talk to me about what you think it means. And the 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 um, lawyer made a good faith effort and basically said, I, I think it's sort of like the concept of colorblindness, that if you deviate Basically, if you try to advocate that we can't treat people without looking at their identifiers, that's wrong. And so if you essentially if you try to teach somebody that, uh, you know, a colorblind approach uh, to X, Y or Z, whatever you're talking about is not possible, then that's then that's difficult. But even as he was talking about this, he was tripping over language and the and the judge is trying to help. And the judge at one point said, you know, if you and I can't understand this clause, how are you know ordinary people supposed to? So I think that one clause is a, an issue. And um, uh, but we'll see how much it is an issue, you know, later on. I think one interesting thing that did come up is the idea of severability, and it's not something that's been discussed a lot. Uh, but there is a, a severance clause in the statute that clearly states that if one provision, even one section, one clause is found uh, to be unconstitutional, it can be struck, but the rest of the law stands. Um, and so that actually was brought up uh, by the Department of Justice uh, lawyer. Um, and the judge said, this is, it's way too premature to talk about this. The plaintiffs haven't had a chance to. So they, he kind of shut down the discussion, but he did say that it's something that down the road um, you know, could be an option potentially. He wasn't ruling it out. So that's something to watch for as as we look ahead to, and especially that one clause and see kind of if yeah. there's other um, things here. Yeah, that's like, that especially is important and people need to not forget that. Like it is possible to strike down in the courts a portion of a law or rework the interpretation of a portion of the law. I mean, an obvious example of that is what happened to the Affordable Care Act after it was passed. Like it was over over many lawsuits and different amendments from Congress whittled down or changed in various ways to get give us what we have right now, is the which is known as Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act. It's mm -hmm. it's not the same thing. And like an example specifically with that is they said that the Supreme Court said they couldn't force the the um the tax on people um if you didn't have health insurance it, <sighs> like this this a, like really you're able to get down in the weeds and change that and this will be it'll be really interesting to see how far it goes because if it does make it through this initial um dismissal request and makes it to the courts i mean this this I'd be shocked if the U.S. Supreme Court ultimately struck down the entire law if it somehow made it that far. I'd be shocked if it made it that far. Yeah. Uh, be, it's 
I mean, on the face of it, it, it doesn't seem like I said earlier on, like on the face of it, the content of it, of what they're trying to accomplish um, sounds reasonable. But the application of it is so it doesn't seem thought out and it didn't the um, legislature didn't do any fixing of it over their previous their term this year, which I'm that's really shocking to me. It's like they it was forgotten. They got distracted by the uh, um, the anti-vaccine crowd. Yeah, so this is just as context for how this law came about. It was, people call it the divisive concepts law. It's no longer that, um, but it, that it, the original version of it was that, um, the original version of the House. Sununu said, Governor Sununu said he would veto that when it came out. Um, that one had different language um, and had a lot more kind of prohibitions on teachers. But then it came, it, the, the law came back in the last few days of negotiating the budget. Uh, and it was brought forward by, I believe it was Senate Majority Leader Jeb Bradley. Um, and so I don't know how much work was put into it then, but it didn't have as nearly as much you know, debate. Uh, obviously, there wasn't like a hearing on it on the final language. So when you talk about kind of ways that uh, it was written, it was, you know, there, there, there could be room for improvement. I think one um, area that was whether you support or oppose the law that was talked about um, in court a lot is the idea of a scienter requirement, which is this or it's a scienter clause. Um, and so basically uh, this is a, a complex legal thing, but um, essentially scienter is sort of like um, something that that speaks to a person's state of mind. Um, and it's it's similar to mens rea in criminal cases. Um, basically, what is not in this statute is any clause that says that a teacher must have done have taught any of these things knowingly or intentionally or uh, uh, you know right uh, knowingly or intentionally essentially or, or any kind of qualifier on their state of mind. There's nothing like that, and so without that, that means that uh, you know a teacher can be found in violation of teaching one of the banned concepts without necessarily having directly right. meant to. And this is something that the judge brought up quite a lot. Um, and it's also something that the plaintiffs are bringing up. And so that's something where if they put that in there, um, it might uh, have, it might've been more a more solid foundation legally That'd speaking. Be huge. That'd be huge. I mean, you see the, the world, the viral world of libs of TikTok and such is like, that's like, there's stuff out there. There's ways of proving that individuals maybe are not acting in the most ethical fashion when it comes to what they're putting in the classroom. It, it, it isn't some black box necessarily. These are public employees Odds are you can find their emails. Many meetings are recorded nowadays, and people love posting too much on social media. So it's that that would be just a huge step. It's just like the little changes that were made to the abortion restrictions. Like there's little adjustments that can be made that can make these laws be a lot more reasonable in 2022. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I should note that the judge said this was his core concern right now with the law. I mean, again, oral arguments, it's, you don't want to read too much into them. Right. Sometimes the judge is just asking questions. Um, but that, that you know, if this if he does decide to strike down the state's attempt to um, throw out the lawsuit and allow it to proceed, uh, then, you know, this would certainly be uh, kind of a, a main area. Uh, and, you know, again, it's the concept, and this is the judge brought up, that educators could be potentially avoiding advocating a banned concept, trying to, to avoid doing it, but finding themselves a foul of the law accidentally. And that's something that he doesn't want to do. But one thing that I'll say uh, that he also was clear about is he doesn't really want to um, save the statute through interpretation. 
Um, and I think that's that's something that so while we talked about severability, he, he's made clear that he doesn't think uh, that it's his job as the judge to make the statute readable through some through some uh, ruling that he makes. If the statute is vague, he said it should it should fall on its vagueness or that part should fall. So it will be interesting to see if he actually, you know, how the arguments develop if they if you let's it go that far. Reporter Ethan DeWitt of the New Hampshire Bulletin, newhampshirebulletin.com to get more from them. I'm going to be posting a link to the article we're discussing today at nhtalkradio.com with the on-demand version of the show. Uh, Thanks so much for joining me this segment. Glad to be here. So the New England Take on WKXL. We're going to be taking a quick break, and we'll be right back after this.